from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Make sure to visit our ministry website. It's at djkm.org, where you can find all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. There was a time when people naively said, well, it's in the newspaper, it must be true. Later, most people realized that newspapers sometimes were wrong or even biased in their accounts. In our day, people will say with tongue-in-cheek, well, it's on the Internet, surely it must be true. And, of course, we find the Internet no more reliable when it comes to truth. Which leads us to an important question. How do we know anything is true? In the end, there are only two ways to know anything at all rationalism, and revelation. Simply put, you can reason it out for yourself or it can be revealed to you by another. Christianity is a revealed religion. We know truth because he who is truth has been pleased to reveal it to us. This revelation comes to us principally through his word. And since the witness of Christianity before a watching and listening world rests upon the word of God, the Bible has been the subject of unrelenting attacks down through the centuries. But as Dr. Kennedy shows us today, the word of our Lord endureth forever. Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, God's Anvil. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the first chapter of the first epistle of Peter. First Peter chapter 1, we shall begin our reading with the 18th verse. May we hear the word of our God. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word 
which by the gospel is preached unto you. And may God speak to our hearts and minds this day through this, his holy word. And may his name ever be praised. Amen. Years ago, I saw a painting which I have never forgotten. It was a painting of a large anvil. And around the anvil on the floor, there lay scattered dozens, perhaps scores, of broken, shattered, smashed hammers. And underneath the words of our text, the word of the Lord endureth forever. Our subject this morning is God's anvil, an appropriate metaphor for the Word of God, which, like it, has endured the attacks of innumerable skeptics and unbelievers, and yet still stands unscathed in spite of the onslaught of the ages. Hammer away, ye hostile hands. Your hammers break, God's anvil stands. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Let's look today at that great text and how God in a supernatural way has sustained his word down through the centuries against the ta attacks from all classes and ranks of men. Consider this, that numerous kings with the scepter of state in one hand have taken up the hammer of unbelief with the other and have attempted with all of the power of government itself to smash the anvil of God. The cases are so numerous that it's simply a matter of which ones we include and how many we exclude. For example, one of the early ones was Herod, who is sometimes called the Great. Herod the Great, as you know, discovered that the wise men declared that the one who was to be ruler in Israel had been born, and he gathered together the wise men to find out where this prince should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem, for thus it is written in the prophet, Thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be least among the tribes of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, who shall rule my people Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, even from everlasting. Thus said the prophet, thus declared the word of God, and then King Herod took up the hammer of his might and sent forth his soldiers to destroy that promise and to nullify the prophecy. They killed all of the children two years old and younger in all of the environs of Bethlehem. And thus, said the king, he had brought to naught the prophecy of the word of God. But God had warned Joseph in a dream, and he took the child and his mother and fled into Egypt. And so the prophecy came to pass. The word of God was fulfilled, and he that was to rule his people came forth out of Bethlehem after all. Hammer away, ye hostile hands. Your hammers break, God's anvil 
stands. Or consider some modern kings or rulers. Hitler and Mussolini both set themselves obstinately against the Church of Christ and against his word. Hitler, who called himself a complete pagan, determined to uproot Christianity root and branch. And Mussolini declared that the Church would soon cease to exist. And yet the time came when Hitler's charred body was found in a bunker in Germany and Mussolini hung by his feet in the town square in Rome. And the word of God goes on today. The word of the Lord indeed endureth forever. Not only kings, but philosophers have well have lent their wit and wisdom in order to destroy the word of God. One of the most brilliant and caustic was the great Frenchman Voltaire, who wrote an entire encyclopedia against Christianity and the Bible. And Voltaire was quite sure that Christianity would soon be a thing of the past. And yet, after he died, his printing press and his house in Geneva were used by the Swiss Bible Society for the printing promulgation of the Bible which Voltaire so much despised. Or take the name which is probably synonymous with skepticism, David Hume, that famous Scottish philosopher who felt that he had undermined all certitude in the world about anything, philosophy or religion or anything else, that Hume with his razor-sharp mind felt that after his writings no one could be sure about anything at all, and thus the foundations of religion were most certainly destroyed, and the Bible would soon become an ancient artifact remembered by few. And yet again, shortly after his death, David Hume's house in Edinburgh became the headquarters for the Scottish Bible Society in Edinburgh, from which there went forth tens of thousands of copies of that hated book. Hammer away, ye hostile hands. Your hammers break. God's anvil stands. For the word of the Lord endureth forever. Let's consider now, lastly, a few of the various attacks that have been made upon the anvil of God and what has happened to them. The assured results of higher criticism, that's what they were called, and in the last century this school of higher criticism began, and it seemed that the higher critics considered themselves called to demolish all traditional views concerning the Bible. For example, it was quite obvious, they said, in fact it was the assured results of higher criticism and of great scholarship that Moses could not possibly have written the Pentateuch because you see, you poor, benighted, ignorant Christians, writing had not even been invented in Moses' day. So how? Could he have written anything at all? You poor people 
Aren't you glad that we great scholars are here to enlighten you out of your ignorance? Well, it's interesting that about the time that higher criticism began, the science of archaeology began as well. And the spade of the archaeologist has been the utter frustration of the higher critic, for it was discovered not long after that that writing certainly existed in the time of Moses, and it has been discovered in recent days it existed long before Moses, 500 years before Moses, and recently discoveries have indicated that it existed a thousand, perhaps 1,500 years before Moses was born, that writing was flourishing on the earth, and this assured result of higher criticism shattered on the floor. And then, of course, there were attacks on the New Testament as well. The birth of Jesus was a familiar target, and Luke was declared to be a faulty historian in three main points concerning his account of the birth. One said the scholars there was no such thing as a census, which was given by Rome. There was no historical record of it. Two, Quirinius was not the governor of Syria in B.C. at the time that Christ was born, but rather as Josephus declared in 6 A.D. And thirdly, that people did not have to return to their ancestral homes for any enrollment as Luke had declared. This was obvious. It was the assured results of higher criticism, and we're sorry, but you'll just have to tear that page out of your Bible, for that, you see, is just not true. But the spade of the archaeologist continued to turn. In fact, somebody said to me between the services, I bet the next thing you hear about is that they'll be outlawing archaeology. <clears throat> and what did they find? That the Romans did indeed have censuses. They began with uh, the Emperor Augustus and continued every 14 years. At two, it was discovered that Quirinius was governor of Syria twice, the first time beginning in 7 BC. And thirdly, a papyrus was discovered in Egypt which contains these fascinating words. Listen carefully. Quote, because of the approaching census, it is necessary that all those residing for any cause away from their homes should at once prepare to return to their own governments in order that they may complete the family registration of the enrollment and that the tilled lands may return those belonging to them. Well, precisely what Luke had declared. Once more, the assured results of higher criticism <clears throat> crumbled into the dirt. Hammer away, ye hostile hands, your hammers break, God's anvil stands. The word of the Lord endureth forever. And how powerful is that word? It is a word by which the gospel is preached unto you, a gospel which can transform lives and societies. How true that is. One of the most remarkable examples of that, I think, is seen in that wonderful historical story about the mutiny on the bounty. A true story, 
of the, bount- of the mutiny that took place on Her Majesty's ship Bounty. Captain Bly was overthrown and placed in a lifeboat with some other officers and set adrift. And the sailors went back to the island that they had come to love. He managed to return, Bly that is, to England and to get a ship and come back to take into chains those that had mutinied. But some of the sailors had gone off with some native women to another island. And it was a number of years later before what happened to them was discovered by the outside world. When they landed on this island, there was an orgy that took place. And the people sank into the very depths of degradation. There was rape and plunder and destruction. There was drunkenness and disease of all sorts. There was murder on every hand and theft. And things became so bad that it seemed that they would totally annihilate the whole settlement. And then Alexander Smith discovered at the bottom of one of the chests that they had brought off the ship a New Testament. And he began to read it. And as he read it, he was converted to Christ. And then he began to read it to the others. And as they heard it, they were converted to Christ, first one and then another, until the entire settlement were converted to Jesus Christ. But this group was not found for 17 years. And when they finally discovered them, they wrote a report back to London. And they said that the people were totally civilized. There was no crime. There was no disease. There was no drunkenness. There was no theft. It was indeed a perfect example of civilization, and it was created out of utter chaos and sin by the Word of God, that Word which endureth forever. Patrick Henry was a wonderful patriot and was a Christian man. But when he came to his deathbed, he had one great regret that he expressed. And that was the expression of his regret that he had not spent more time studying the Word of God. It was the heaviest weight that rested on his heart as he approached the end of his life. I wonder about you. God has protected and defended this word throughout all of these many centuries that it might come down to you. But there are some of you here for whom it lies neglected in your house, on a table or a shelf, gathering dust. There are others of you who simply tip your hat to it in the same way that Voltaire tipped his hat to the church. Maybe you give it a moment or two in the morning and evening But ah, my friend, I would urge you to consider that there is nothing in this world more valuable than the Word of God, that you would give yourself to the serious study of that Word, that you may determine to read more of it, to hide it in your heart, determined to live by it. Some of you may never have discovered the gospel which is contained in it. By this Word is the gospel preached, Peter tells us, the good news 
So many people think that the Bible contains nothing but good advice. But the main message of the Bible is good news, not good advice. The good news is that though we have all disobeyed the good advice, though we have sinned and transgressed the law of God, that he loves us just as we are. And that it is in, in his infinite mercy he has sent his son to take our guilt upon him to suffer and die, to freely offer us eternal life as a gift. Ah, oh, my friend, that is such incredible good news that many people cannot even grasp it. It is free. The gift of God is eternal life. Oh, that is the greatest glad tidings the world has ever heard. For those who, repenting of their sins, will trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Do you have that blessed assurance today? The Word of God has endured forever to, to offer you the gift of eternal life or to rise up against you in the judgment and condemn you should you remain impenitent and refuse to accept the grace that God has offered you. I would urge you this day to embrace the Savior, to trust in Him who died for you, to abandon all hope in your own goodness, and to receive Christ as Lord and Master of your life. If you have not done that, ah, my friend, do it today. That's why the Word of God has endured all of this time. Century follows century, but there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, but there it stands. Kings are crowned and overthrown, but there it stands. Despised and torn to pieces, there it stands. Storms of hate swirl about it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, but there it stands. Thunderbolts of wrath are hurled against it, but there it stands. The flames are kindled under it, but there it stands. The arrows of hate are discharged upon it, but there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws and makes no dent, and there it stands. An anvil upon which have been broken a million hammers. Hammer away, ye hostile hands. Your hammers break. God's anvil stands. The word of the Lord endureth forever. May we pray. Father, we thank Thee for that word which shall never fail. We thank Thee for that word which endureth to all generations. And we pray, O God, that we may prize it, that we may love it, that we may read it and study it and hide it in our hearts, that we may live by it, that we may die resting upon it, that we may rejoice in it throughout all of eternity. For we make this in the name of him who is the central jewel of it, even Jesus our Christ. Amen. Do you have the assurance of salvation that Dr. Kennedy just spoke of? Or are you ready to abandon all hope in your own goodness and receive Christ as Lord and Master of your life? If you don't yet know the one who says, I have come to give life to the full, we can go to him in prayer right now saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life and make me brand new. 
I accept the free gift of eternal life that you paid for with your death on the cross. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, Jesus Christ says, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. Welcome to the family of God. To help you in your new life with Christ, we want to send you Beginning Again, a book written by Dr. Kennedy for new believers. It will help you to learn how to study the Bible, how to pray, and even how to talk with others about what you've just done. Simply ask for Beginning Again when you write to our address or call our toll-free number. God bless you as you do. The Word of God is the very standard of truth. And Western civilization was largely built by those who believed that. Yet today, upholding biblical truth, especially on moral issues, is likely to get you branded as a hater. In fact, there is a powerful organization on the political left that has worked to demonize Christian ministries that stand for the biblical view of marriage and sexuality. They have done this by labeling such Christian ministries as hate groups. And they have convinced the media, schools, and sometimes even law enforcement to believe them. That powerful leftist organization is the Southern Poverty Law Center. While pretending to be objective, the SPLC has labeled mainstream conservative and Christian groups as hate groups leading one of their followers to walk in to the Family Research Council and begin shooting in the hopes of killing as many Christians as possible. Thankfully, he was stopped by a brave building manager who suffered a bullet wound in the process. And another fan of the SPLC recently attempted to assassinate conservative Congressman Steve Scalise, who had also been a repeated target of the Southern Poverty Law Center's rhetorical attacks. This is a dangerous organization, and you need to understand what they are all about. Next week on this program, we will be airing a special documentary, Prophets of Hate, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And we will send you a DVD of that important special, including special material that won't be appearing in the broadcast. As our thanks for your generous donation, Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. It is vitally important that the media and the government understand that the Southern Poverty Law Center which decades ago did some good work in the waning days of the civil rights movement, are now falsely equating Bible-believing Christians with neo-Nazis and the KKK. It is intellectually dishonest and ultimately extremely dangerous. Contact us right away to get your copy of this special program on DVD featuring unaired bonus material as our thanks for your donation to help us continue the work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 
332-3069 or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We will see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.